My name's Juan. I'm with the uh, Four Sunday team. Uh, it's my privilege to speak to you today and, and to do today's teaching. And um, uh, last week, you know, I, we're following up on, on these themes from these different characters in the Bible. And last week we learned a lot about David and, and his heart and uh, saw that he was uh, uh, very human like we are, uh, but that you know, he was able to, uh, um, uh, through his heart, just uh, uh, be someone that, that uh, God said was a man after his own heart. So uh, we're going to continue today's series on the dispeller of shame. Um, there are themes throughout the Bible uh, where God changes our curses into blessings. And my prayer for you this morning is that you draw some hope and encouragement as we see this theme play out with an unexpected person. So if you'll join me. Heavenly Father, uh, we just ask that um, uh, as we learn uh, about the dispeller of shame, Heavenly Father, that uh, there would be something that would touch the hearts of people here, that they would see your heart, Heavenly Father, and that uh, you would, um, that you would uh, bless this time this morning, uh, that our ears would be able to hear and our hearts would be open in your name. All right, so next slide. The Philistines made war on Israel. The men of Israel were in full retreat from the Philistines, falling left and right, wounded on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines caught up with Saul and his sons. They killed Jonathan, uh, Abinadab, and Malkishua, Saul's sons. The battle was hot and heavy around Saul. The archers got his range and they wounded him badly. Saul said to his weapon bearer, draw your sword and put me out of my misery, lest these pagan pigs come and make a game out of killing me. But his weapon bearer wouldn't do it. He was terrified. So Saul took the sword himself and fell on it. And when the weapon bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his three, his three sons, his weapon bearer, the men closest to him, died together that day. And when the Israelites in the valley opposite and on the other side of the Jordan saw that their army was in full retreat and that Saul and his sons were dead, they left their cities and they ran for their lives. The Philistines moved in and occupied the sites. Um, Israel's royal family is largely eradicated in one day. And, uh, and when, when King Saul and his three sons were killed in a battle at uh, Mount Gilboa. Go ahead, next slide. Um, uh, and after their deaths, their kingdom is temporarily divided as David and Saul's remaining son, Ishbosheth, uh, make completing, competing claims on a vacant throne. Um, and there's a resulting civil war that ensues. Um, uh, that ensues. And in chapter, um, this, uh, and, uh, uh, this resulting civil war, um, we find out about uh, Ishbosheth. He, being Saul's son, he's only on the throne for two years. And David uh, has the tribe of Judah on his side. So this civil war, they're fighting against each other. And uh, Ishbosheth's commanders assassinate him in order to gain favor with David. And in chapter 4 of Samuel, uh, there is an interesting, there, we, we find out about another. Uh, unfortunate circumstance of Jonathan's uh, uh, son. 
And it so happened that Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son who was maimed in both feet when he was five years old. The report on Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and ran, but in her hurry to get away, she fell, and the boy was, named, was maimed, and his name was Mephibosheth. The, uh, his name translates as the dispeller of shame. Let's see the next slide. Here you can kind of see a map of, of Israel and see what was, was going on. Um, at the very top, I've circled Mount Gilboa. Uh, if you can see right here, Mount Gilboa is, is in this region right here. This is where Saul and his sons fell. Okay, And there was a real threat that the Philistines, you can see Philistia is right all around here on, on Israel's west, west, uh, western border. And so there would be all these incursions and fighting. Israel was a, was a, was a, had a hated enemy in the Philistines. And uh, Gibeah was the capital city at the time. Okay, and so you had the, um, uh, so you had the whole royal family, uh, uh, here. And so when the reports came in from Jezreel that Saul was dead, that the entire, you know, all the sons of Saul were, were, were almost, uh, completely murdered, there was a real, uh, threat that they were going to continue their campaign southward. And so, uh, uh, the, uh, the fear that they, that they had was very real. Uh, because it was very customary in those times for a new monarchy when they came in that they would execute all the males of that monarch's lineage because they would pose a threat to the kingdom. If even one son remained, then that, uh, then they, they could start an insurrection or a rebellion. Uh, you'll see that theme play out in other parts of, uh, of the story, um, in, in, um, in, in Samuel. So, uh, there was a, there was a really real fear. Uh, Mephibosheth's nurse, uh, took matters into her own hands. We find out that Mephibosheth is five years old. Um, and we're not sure what happened when she dropped him. A lot of accounts say that it was spinal cord injury or that his feet was broken and the bones weren't being able to, to be set properly. But what we find out is that um, he is no longer fit to ascend the throne. And so in, 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 chapter, uh, so in chapter 4, where we hear about the assassination of, of Ishbosheth and the, and the commanders, uh, it, we find that Mephibosheth is mentioned here because um, uh, uh, Mephibosheth is, in, is, this, is a son of Jonathan, was the son of Saul, and they're showing that because he's maimed, because he can't walk anymore, he's lame, he's no longer fit to be the, 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 uh, a king. And so there are no, uh, once Ishbosheth is dead, there's nobody else that's left in, in, uh, in Saul's line to, to ascend to the, the throne in Israel. Um, and we, we find that, that what that does to him is now he's economically vulnerable, he's physically vulnerable, he's permanently disabled, to, he can't move, he's totally dependent. And then the religious aspect is there's a real alienation of people who were lame and disabled in Israel's day. So all of these things happened to him at five years old. He was in the palace one day and, and loses everything the next. Um, so uh, the next slide. So Ishbosheth was, was, uh, uh, was murdered by uh, Rechab and Benah, his two commanders, and they, um, uh, that, was, um, uh, that ended the civil war essentially. Uh, uh, once he was was uh, removed from the throne. Okay, go ahead and do the next slide. 
So now, one day, David asked, uh, is there anyone left of Saul's family? This is, this is uh, about, you know, uh, David has spent years fighting the Philistines. He's defeated most of Israel's adversaries. And now, in about a 15-year time span. And so he's wondering, like, is there anyone left in Saul's family? I'd like to show him some kindness in honor of Jonathan. It happened that a servant from Saul's household named Ziba was there, and they called him into David's presence. The king asked him, Are you Ziba? Yes, sir, he replied. And the king asked, Is there anyone left from the family of Saul who I can show some godly kindness? And Ziba told the king, Yes, there is Jonathan's son, lame in both feet. And he said, Where is he? He's, leaving, he's living at the home of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodibar. And King David didn't lose a minute. He sent and got him from the home of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Now, you can imagine that when uh, Mephibosheth is pretty much, is, is, uh, uh, sees Ziba, there's a couple of thoughts that are running through his mind. Mephibosheth had probably heard the stories of his grandfather Saul trying to repeatedly hunt and kill David. And, and he also knew that Ziba was in charge of taking care of his property. He probably suspected Ziba was there to turn in him to get the land for himself. And he was powerless to do anything, to run away. All of these thoughts. He, suddenly he's realizing, David's probably coming to kill me. He's going to, you know, uh, uh, he, wants re- he wants revenge or something like that. And so there's, you can imagine the terror and the fear that's probably in, in, in Meshavosheth's heart right now. And he can do nothing. He can't. He, he can't. Uh, you can imagine the journey uh, as he's traveling uh, to, to the city, to the, to the, to the palace. Um, the thoughts that are probably going through his mind. Why now? What's happening? Um, so, next slide. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, who was the son of Saul, came before David, he bowed deeply, abasing himself, honoring David. And at that moment, I can imagine he was thinking, okay, let it be quick. You know, go ahead and execute me. You know, it's, it's over. Uh, there's nothing left for me. And then David spoke his name, Mephibosheth. Yes, sir. Don't be frightened, said David. I'd like to do something special for you in memory of your father, Jonathan. To begin with, I'm returning to you all the properties of your grandfather, Saul. And furthermore, from now on, you'll take all your meals at my table. Shuffling and stammering, not looking him in the eye, Mephibosheth said, Who am I that you would pay attention to a stray dog like me? And you can see in that statement that he really just felt completely worthless. Uh, he had nothing. He was totally dependent on others. He, and... and um, and he had carried this for, for f- over 15 years. That's, that's what he grew up with. So, um, in the uh, uh, next slide. <coughs> Excuse me. David then called in Ziba, Saul's right-hand man, and told him, everything that belonged to Saul and his family, I have handed over to your grandson. You and your sons and your servants will work his land and bringing the produce and provisions of your master's grandson. Mephibosheth himself, your master's grandson, from now on will take all his meals at my table. Uh, and that's significant because um, people who are, uh, David had even done a decree where the, the, the lame and the blind were not allowed inside, the, the, inside Jerusalem at the time. 
And so he's now here's Mephibosheth at his table eating. Um, Ziba had 15 and tw- sons and 20 servants. All that my master, the king, has ordered his servant, answered Ziba, your servant will surely do. And Mephibosheth ate at David's table, just like one of the royal family. And Mephibosheth had a small son named Micah. And all who were part of Ziba's household were now the servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, taking all his means at the, at the king table. He was lame in both feet. Now, um, uh, going back to the, the this sto- going back to this story, um, it, it seems like a footnote in the whole story of, of Samuel, where the kings were were going back and forth. There was all these things that were happening, but. Uh, there are some real parallels between the story of Mephibosheth and our relationship to God. Um, Max Lucado says that, uh, puts it this way, Mephibosheth is kind of bracketed into the Bible. The verse doesn't tell us much in chapter 4, verse 4, just his name, which is Mephibosheth, his calamity that he was just dropped by his nurse, his deformity that he was crippled, and then it moves on, but there's enough to raise a few questions. If his story is beginning to sound familiar, it should. You see, you and he have a lot in common. Weren't you also born into royalty? Don't you carry the wounds of a fall? And hasn't each of us lived in fear of a king that we have never seen? Um, if you were to take uh, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 29 through 30, it talks about how David was the king over physical Israel, but that Jesus is the king over spiritual Israel. And if we look at this story, we see that Jesus Christ can stand in the place of David, that humanity is, re- is represented by Mephibosheth, that Mephibosheth was worthy of death, just like we were worthy of death from the fall, and that David extended kindness and grace to Mephibosheth, uh, just like God um, extends uh, kindness and grace through salvation, and that Mephibosheth received the blessings. Let's go to the next slide here. So... Um, and then uh, click once. Um, so Mephibosheth lived 15 years unaware that grace was for him. How many years did you live before you knew the grace of God? Um, as, a relative, uh, how many, um, as a relative of Saul, he thought death was always around the corner. But click again. Until we respond to the grace of God, spiritual death is always around the corner. Um, the king entered a covenant with the father of Meshibetheth, Jonathan. And go ahead and click again. Our king made a covenant with Abraham. Uh, because of the covenant, the king extended grace to Mephibosheth. Go ahead. And because of God's unconditional covenant, grace is now extended to us. And uh, Mephibosheth became as one of the king's sons. And, and, and through Christ, we become sons of the king. So... Um, I'm going to leave you with a final thought today. Go ahead. There's this one. What would you have thought of Mephibosheth had he turned the, uh, this blessing of David down? You know, uh, think about that for a moment. What would you have thought? Would, would he have been crazy? Would he, you know, like if he had said, if he had turned up to David and said, no, I don't want to eat at your table. That'd be, be kind of silly, ridiculous. Yet many reject the offer that the king of our spiritual Israel has to become part of his household. So you can see there that that um, uh, you know God just desires us to be there, to be with him at his table, 
And, and he's, he's fully extended that. And we are just not worthy of that, but he extends that grace. So that would be uh, my um, uh, prayer for you this morning. Um, uh, and so that's um, <laughs> pretty much what I, I had here today. Um, if uh, we could have... Huh? Okay. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. Having uh, with that, with that, is is there anything that that God's speaking to anyone here this morning? The a thought or or um, um, take a take a moment and kind of think. In fact, let's, uh, you know, it might not be a bad idea to, uh, a little exercise is to kind of think, you know, uh, put your place, put yourself in Mishibosheth's place. Imagine that, you know, uh, um, you're, you're gonna be up before your, your, uh, your, your, your king. And, um, and, and, you know, you're, in, in, in that moment of brokenness, uh, think of something that, that makes you feel like you, uh, are disqualified from even talking to God. Uh, something is, uh, and, and let the Holy Spirit kind of like pick something out and, 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 and I want you to think about that for just a moment. Go ahead. Oh, that's very good. really good.
If I, in the back. Yeah, D- David had such a uh, that the 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 bond in the covenant that he had with Jonathan was that was so strong. I mean, all of Saul's family, every time one of them would be cuz unfortunately they would be assassinated or murdered and his heart would break for them and he would be sad. And he 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 really um um uh had a heart for that family. As much as that family had done all kinds of things like they, hunting him down, trying to kill him uh, multiple times. Um, and still, you know, it would have been easy for for David, you know, for David to say, you know, you're that you're a crazy family, and, and you know, and I'm going to take you out. But he didn't do that. He uh, continuously uh, would mourn and 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 weep for them, and and he wanted them to be, you know, the fact that he could have one of his family at his table was was significant to him and meant a lot to him. And you can, yeah. Um,
Yeah, there were several times where, uh, uh, like I said, uh, uh, people would try to uh, kill and assassinate different members of, uh, like uh, someone taking credit for Saul's death, um, Ishbosheth, in in hopes that you know uh, that they would be rewarded. And a wicked king would have like rewarded people for that because you know they, they were removing them from the the line of succession. That allowed you know they're thinking, okay, well David now has no uh, uh, blockage to the throne. He can he can now be king without anyone disputing that. And, and it's interesting to see how, how David punishes that when, it, when it's brought before him. Right? Yeah, they, would, uh, um, uh, they did that. So. I think there's a, a lot of things that we can identify with Mishibasheth and, you know, and just his, that there are things in our lives that, that get in the way of, of wanting us to, um, uh, to sit at the table. And so um, uh, just, just uh, realizing that, you know, it, it, yeah, it's not, it's as you are. I mean, there's, there's no prerequisite, you know, I mean, I mean there's, there was no reason for him to even be there in the city, even so. That that was that was uh, a very significant um, um, thing. So, um, so I, I would hope that you would feel that you would leave encouraged uh, that you would uh, when you come across this this uh, this chapter again, if you when you if you see this verse and you hear that name of Phibosheth, that uh, you can see that that um, um, Christ parallels that story really well and that it, it can apply to your life. And it's just amazing how when I was reading through it, how uh, there were all these just things that would pop up from it. Because I had read the Mephibosheth story before too, and I thought, oh, it's a nice thing that David was doing. And then just realizing the deeper things that God's trying to communicate, uh, uh, how he just had a heart for people and for us. So... Um, um, if there's something that spoke to your uh, heart this morning, uh, there's something that 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 might be you know uh, uh, um, uh, getting in that might be an obstacle for you in that, I would encourage you. We'll have the ministry team up here. Let's pray for that. 
this morning. That you know, if there's a, there's a seat at the table and you don't want to sit down, um, we can kneel here and we can and we can uh, uh, pray with you, be with you at that moment. So, okay, we can. Heavenly Father, um, I would just ask that the Holy Spirit would uh, be with us right now, um, that, um, uh, that your, uh, 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 that you would bring to mind to us, Lord, that, that um, you know, through you, we're, we're worthy, Holy Father, um, and it's because of your Son, and I just ask that, um, that if there is, uh, uh, um, um, areas in our hearts, Lord, that are, are uh, um, that are hindering us, Lord. I would just pray uh, uh, for for that to to uh, be healed, Lord. And uh, Lord, I would just pray for um, um, your your presence, Lord. Now this uh, this morning, um, uh, we uh, just desire to be with you and. Um, and we just we just give you thanks that you love us so much, um, and that you desire us that much, um, uh, and, and, and that you um, uh, and I just I just pray that that we would um, uh, uh, sit at that table with you, Heavenly Father. Hey, so um, as the ministry team comes forward, it uh, it's occurs to me that as I prayed this morning, as we started our, uh, or at we at the end of the worship time, it was that God would remove the veil. Who God who has removed the veil would remove any veil, would remove any barrier, would remove any obstacle between us and God. So if this morning you feel somehow you're disqualified from God's love, somehow your life it does not measure up. You're disqualified. You're not able to really receive what he has for you. You need to come forward and you need to be prayed for. Because today is the day to end the disqualification. You are not disqualified. Because Jesus Christ has made us qualified. It's nothing that you've done, bad or good. It is because Christ has qualified you. Second thing, maybe you don't feel disqualified. Maybe you feel like, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. But you haven't come to sit in the heavenlies with him, as he has called you to sit with him. There is a seat in the heavenly realms now for you. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. It is in the present tense. It is not in the future tense. If you're not sitting in that place of honor, in that place of authority, in that place of power, in that place of victory with Christ, come forward and receive prayer because you are seated with him. There's a spot for you there. And if you don't, you're denying yourself the blessings that God has for you. I want to, this is good. If you're feeling like the, there's two calls, right? The first one is I'm not good enough. 
I've got a problem separating me from God. I want us to go over to that side. And those who say, no, nah, I'm good with that, but I'm, I'm not really sitting in that place where I have that level of authority and connection with God, then I want you to come over here, okay? And yeah. worship people, or ministry people, you go to the side that you feel calling to. But I just felt like um, I want to, I, I think it, there may be more going on. Um, if anybody has shoulder issues, knee, um, also see back, and kidney, maybe kidney stones, come see me. Good? All right. So come. Come. The rest of you can go get your kids, kiss, kiss them up and love them, and we'll see you next week. But let's get some ministry here.